Christ is still the King. Welcome to The Uncommon Good with Bo Bonner and Dr. Bud Marr on Iowa Catholic Radio. Every Wednesday, diving deep in the truth of the Catholic Church and restoring all things in Christ. The Uncommon Good, live from the Mercy Live Up Studio. The Uncommon Good is on the air. I'm Bo Bonner. I'm Dr. Bud Marr. And we are coming to you not live. Whoa! We are in Mercy Live Up Studio. This is 1150 AM, 88.5 FM, 94.5 FM, Radio.com, and the Iowa Catholic Radio app from Blessman Ministry and the People's Abstract Company. But folks, we are coming to you from the past. It's always tough to do a non-live show because there's a part of me that wants to guess what the weather will be like and the events that are taking place in the world. Man, bud, isn't it? weathery outside the president said something crazy yesterday (laughs) you're just saying the cubs and the cardinals are disappointing (laughs) and or very successful (laughs) yeah i think we got it covered um the reason we're not coming to you live is for various reasons on one hand but as we talked about last week on the show you are going to be probably literally moving at this point yeah let's see today is the 22nd right 23rd i don't know but it's the past shh No, um, I think a week from now I'll be in the middle of nowhere in Nebraska camping, probably trying to fend off bears and keeping my children alive. Yeah, that's very nice of you. But, I, I will be laid up in bed because I'm having surgery. Mm. It's not bad, though. It's just outpatient surgery. I have a hernia. Now the radio knows. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so we're not with you live, Yeah, but we're with you in spirit. Radio spirits. Well, 10 days from now, I'll be um, starting as the director at the National Institute for Newman Studies in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. So last week, we did kind of the sentimental show, and we had um, John Wynn on air with us. It was a great conversation. But today, we're looking back at... Oh, John Leonetti. Don't forget him. Well, he's he's on radio enough. I don't have to mention that. (laughs) That's true. But today, we're going to look back at some of the highlights from this past year, right? Yes. And I mean, but... You know, everybody loves this show. They love you. Everyone's going to miss you. You're a household name here in Des Moines. When people think of Iowa Catholic Radio and the Uncommon Good, it is impossible for them to forget Ryan Budmar. And as proof of this, we actually had a caller come in, uh, call in. This is a while ago, but very sweetly uh, left um, a very wonderful message about how much she loves the show, and particularly, I think, how much she loves you. Good morning. I just listened to your, I'm so sorry, I can't remember the title, Uh, Hour and a Half with Bo Bonner and another person. I am so embarrassed. Anyway, I really loved it. Thank you for your program. Have a great one. Bye-bye. God bless you, too. Well, maybe they didn't remember your name. (laughs) I feel like I've left an indelible, unforgettable mark on Des Moines. <laughs> no, I that was some very sweet comments, so I'll take it. I think part of this is your fault, bud. And now the reason I point this out is how many different ways did you actually introduce yourself onto this show? That's right. I Well, do we have a clip? No, oh. you're going to have to redo the clip from memory. I think you named yourself The Doc once. I like to throw in a curveball at the beginning of the show, and part of it is just that I go by multiple names. So most days it was Bud Marr, sometimes Dr. Bud Marr. I think I threw in a Ryan and the, a Doc. The Doc. The Doc. Yeah, if I'm not mistaken. But uh, I, I think I can confuse people, too, because I keep saying that we're in downtown Des Moines, even though we're technically in... Are we in Urbandale or Clive? This is West Des Moines. Okay. Sorry all of the uh, uh, Twitter mentions that West Des Moines doesn't get. 
And then also, I, I have a, a, a proclivity of naming the conditions outside very different names. I think we named it Sapphire once. Yeah, you called it a very Sapphire day. One week, it might have been Emerald. And it was strange because this summer, it did not rain a lot, but it felt like it rained about 60% of the time with our shows. That's right. So. It's rainy days and Mondays always get me down, but like on Wednesdays and about the common good. It was like London in here every time, bud. Yeah, that it was, was like jolly old London. I talked about us bringing the thunder because <laughs> there was there was the frequent frequent uh, frequent rain, and I I like to blame it on the fact that we bring the thunder. I like that as too. I would hope. So, like we said, this is actually going to be a clip show, so we don't have um, particular guests. We have the manifold guests that we have. But before we do that, when we get back, bud, we have a few uh, clips from people who are saying their goodbyes to you. So that should be quite fun as well. And just as a disclaimer, none of the stories are true. So, well, some of them are true, but if they sound like they're false, we're not lying. It's just all in good fun. So stick around. We'll be back in a minute with The Uncommon Good. Bo Bonner and Dr. Budmar, Clips Show. (laughs) (laughs) We're back with The Uncommon Good, Bo Bonner and Dr. Budmar, the Clip Show edition. So, Bud, what do we have lined up for people today in our absence? No, I'm kind of nervous about this show because, um, you know, with our regular show, our antics get kind of interspersed with serious theological discussion. But this show, I think we've distilled down sort antics. of antics. All antics, all the time. The great moments, and great moments inevitably end up with me being goofy. So it's a lot of that. So, folks, you need to, I mean, get an especially caffeinated drink for this one. And just remember, if you listen to this whole show and you can't believe we said any of it, we're sorry. Um, what Tony Valdez, what's the email address that they can complain to Tony Calmet about this show? <laughs> Don't tell him, Tony. Don't tell him. No, uh, so like I said, um, we're appreciative of, of all the support that you guys have given. We thank you. You know, We're kind of transitioning things. But like I said, we'll be back into full swing here in a couple weeks. So with that, Jeb. Let the clips roll! We are coming to you live from Mercy Live Up Studios in beautiful, eloquent, sapphire Des Moines, Iowa. 11.50 a.m., 88.5 f.m., 94.5 f.m., streaming live, iowacatholicradio.com. And thanks to Blessman Ministries and the People's Abstract Company, you can listen to us on Iowa Catholic Radio's app anywhere in the near uh, world that has the electronic webs reaching it. Bud, a new time. This is amazing, and it is very <laughs> <laughs> it is very sapphire out there today. Yeah, I, I, you pegged it. It's sa- just one of those days where the world doesn't know what to do. It looks like it might rain. It's very muggy. It's soccer weather, Bo. <laughs> <laughs> Don't say that, Bud. <laughs> Hi, this is Gary Hazelton. I'm the sales guy at Avocatholic Radio. I remember the first time I met Bud and Bo. It was on my very first sales call, and I thought, "Wow, who wears a bow tie nowadays?" At any rate, that was our first complete sale, and from that I have an autographed poster in my office. So I'm very excited about that, and I will certainly miss our animated conversations between who's better, the Cubs or Cards. And it reminds me of a story I heard where he saved a a little boy that was wearing a Cub hat down by Bush Stadium. Bud, I want to wish you all the best. Safe travels. God bless. Bud, how are you doing today? I'm doing okay. I... It's strange. I was thinking about it. It feels like it's been raining during our show a lot in 2017. I know. I think that that is 1990s Bo would have like a very insightful, <laughs> uh, emotional. I, I'd like to think it's because things. we uh, bring the thunder. Oh, but, yeah. 
You know, a lot of us have been gathering and telling stories about Bud, uh, a lot of them about the when he first came to Des Moines and all the things that he's done. I remember the conversation that we had when he told me that he was leaving Des Moines. Um, we had gotten together for ice cream. He had brought a boy that he had just saved from a fire uh, to ice cream. And we sat down and he said, you know, Pope Francis has called us to the peripheries uh, to go out to uh, the most marginalized, the most vulnerable. Adam, I'm moving to Pittsburgh. I said, Bud, you're moving to the city of Pitts. And he says, that's right. I said, do you have any idea how many bridges are in that city? And Bud had taken stock of that. He had weighed that consideration. I said, this is the city that invented emojis, dropping the IQ of the human population by, I believe, 34 points. And he said, that's why they need me, Adam. And he put his hand on my shoulder, and we cried. And then he saved a cat. We cried some more, and that's the last time I ever saw him. But if you're listening, come back to Des Moines. We need you, bud. Oh, you can also check us out on the webcam if you want to be frightened. Uh, bud, how are you doing? Doing okay. The family went home to Omaha a little early. I'm trying to write this week, so the house is especially silent. Yeah, Bud is what we call a nerdy bachelor because he's staying behind to write books. Did, yeah. did, did you imagine that as an 18-year-old? No, no. And the um, the offerings on the menu when the family takes off just get really pathetic. And I don't know. I'm like eating pork and beans and macaroni and cheese. So Like at the mixed together? Because that could be, you know. No, okay. I but. sort of like prepare all the calories I need, throw it in one bowl, and just <laughs> consume that. You need to be careful. If we have college students listening, they might be getting some ideas. <laughs> Hi, this is Brian Sweeney. I'm the business manager of Iowa Catholic Radio. And uh, I've been called upon to reflect on Dr. Bud Marr's time here at Iowa Catholic Radio. I think what I might miss the most is our, our conversations off air about how many papers we have left to grade and the the advantages and disadvantages of the different learning management systems we've used over the years. But maybe most of all what I'll miss is not being able to physically hand him a red card when Bo calls him for that foul that really needs to take him off the air. Bud, good luck in Pittsburgh. Go Penguins. Well, this is our uh, mega epic crossover. Didn't you have sound effects for this, Bud? Crossover! (laughs) (laughs) Radio mashup! (laughs) So if you remember... Hi, I'm Jeb Eishide, Assistant Program Director at Iowa Catholic Radio. I started working here in the beginning of the summer. While my time with Dr. Bud Marr was short, it was indeed memorable. Of course, before I had ever met Bud, I knew of the legend. You see, Bud, better known as the savior of children from traffic, never really struck me as someone who was, well, reserved. I had always pictured him as a guy with a plain white tee and blue jeans with ashes all over his face, not from Ash Wednesday, but from all the feline rescue missions out of burning buildings. However, after finally meeting Bud, my view of him changed. I'll never forget the time Bud walked into the studio one day, all dressed up in a green button-up shirt, complete with a matching tie. At this time, I wondered to myself, this man must be of great societal importance and full of knowledge. Nice clothes and even the title of a doctor. Well, that thought quickly vanished from my memory when Bo had pointed out that the company pictures were not until next week. (laughs) While Dr. Bud Marr may have mistaken the date, it's hard to mistake his character. Bud, for the short time I have known you, 
I will always remember you and the importance you bring to the uncommon good. For without you, the show would have no good. Just the rather uncommon bow. Good luck in Pittsburgh, bud. The Iowa Catholic Radio app from Blessman Ministries and the People's Abstract Company. You could be listening at the fair. You could be at the fair. Fourteen corn dogs amongst all your family members listening to this radio show thanks to the Iowa Catholic Radio app. Bud, were you listening to the Iowa Catholic Radio app when you were at the fair yesterday? Oh, yeah. I've been procrastinating on the fair for three years now, so I jumped in feet first this week, and my stomach is on a roller coaster of sorts. <laughs> hey well, you're probably going to gain weight, bud. It was really cute. Yesterday we found, like, the, um, what's the, what's the Elysian Fields of Food? distribution at the fair <laughs> well, uh, just like the the i don't know food court part you mean well, yeah that and um i really indulge like we were doing like cheese curds and fried snickers and things like that and my oldest daughter madeline who's now probably more fiscally conservative than me i think like i i'm usually pretty conservative with my money but i was like give me everything fried and i'm buying all this food and she kind of walks up to me and meekly says like Dad, sometimes it makes me nervous when other people spend a lot of money that they might not have. <laughs> yeah, Elias is getting that age where he's like, hey, Dad, maybe it'd be better if you're not doing blank, blank, blank. And I'm all like, leave me alone. It's an established habit at this point. One thing I love about America is things like the 4th of July and the fair, they just give us irrational excuses to throw off all like fetters of discipline. Like, right. I didn't. I wouldn't normally do five hot dogs, but it's the fair. Come on. Yeah, and it's funny because like a lot of these things, it's decreasing good excuses. Like you're like, it's Christmas. Jesus Christ was born, and then you're like, uh, it's it's a uh, Fourth of July. Yeah, America. That's good, right? The fair. We're like, there's a lot of people here. <laughs> Bye, food. Now, yeah. This last Independence Day, my wife's like, honey, you're gonna blow off one of your appendages. We need you. And I'm like, it's. The Fourth of July, like, do you believe in America? Some... Yeah. What's wrong? Do you believe in late summer? That's what I tell people about the state fair. Everyone's here. We're all doing it. This seems so right. Why Give do you hate the dog, dog days of summer? Why do you hate this time? This is reflections with Joe Stopulus. Today's reflection is on Dr. Bud Marr and what he's brought to Iowa Catholic Radio during his time here, and so many things to think about uh, that come to mind. First and foremost is his level of professionalism. On the show, The Uncommon Good. Very difficult to do with uh, his counterpart there, but he brings a level of professionalism and intellect that is missing from the show. But he brings it, and it helps keep the show afloat, which would otherwise be a sinking ship on fire. In addition to that, uh, to the level of professionalism and intellect that he brings, a fortitude unbeknownst to mere mortals... By climbing in building, burning buildings and saving cats, which I've seen twice. Twice. Once downtown in a East 13th Street fire of an apartment building, and once uh, a Drake Campus University uh, dormitory. Uh, he, he saved a uh, laptop computer uh, that was about to be destroyed from a fire. Then, well, everyone remembers the famous uh, saving the child in the middle of the street incident of 2013, uh, but that basically goes without saying nowadays. And lastly, I would say it's his overall charm. Those are the things when I think of Dr. Bud Marr that really stick out as treats. Treats. Man, but that was a really great one you wrote, and I really tried to practice the foreign pronunciations. Do you um, do you work on your French pronunciation before yeah. bedtime? Baguette. I could tell. Da-da. Paris. 
if only we could smoke in the studio, <laughs> we could really be French about the whole thing. <laughs> Hi, this is Tony Calumet. Yes, I am the general manager for Iowa Catholic Radio. I guess I'm supposed to be talking about Bud Marr. I really don't know much about always saving a child from a fire or a car accident or whatever. But I'll tell you something. Uh, I hired Bud. And I realized from the very beginning, even with all his theological background and intelligence and being a doctor, he just wasn't a natural announcer. So I had to hire Bo. Now, I realize that Bud couldn't carry the show himself. And besides that, I remember the time when Bud came to my home and the entire staff And we had this meeting, and it was a party, and Bud was standing over by the food table by himself, and he was taking both hands and shoving all of this food down his throat. I mean, all of the food that we had in the hors d'oeuvres. And I came up and I asked him why he was doing this. And he looked at me with these puppy dog eyes and just said, For what you pay me, I can't put food on the table for my family. So, and he says, also, for all of the children that I save in a fire, I bring them home and I can't feed them either because of your pay. Well, that's never going to change. Bud, you're only worth a certain amount of money anyway. So I guess all I'm going to say, I love you, and I'm sad to see that you're leaving. But at least I don't have to worry anymore about not putting food on your table. And now, great moments in church history. The year 2017. The place, literally wherever you went to church on Easter Sunday. Folks. If this is what we say it is, this is the biggest, greatest moment of the year, the decade, the centuries, every year. What are you doing about it? He's walking into the parish with his family. It's crowded. He didn't see that coming. There's nowhere to sit. He's standing in the back. Look, I I don't know what to say here, people. If Easter is really what we say it is, Jesus Christ risen from the grave, I mean... Okay, you ate some ham. I'm proud of you, but you should be eating, like, ham every day. Copious amounts of ham and and, and just clearing out the cupboards. You, for 40 days, you didn't eat Twinkies. This is Easter, people. Now he's clumsily crossing himself, looking around, trying to follow others with emotions. He receives Holy Communion. He's headed home. There's golf on the television. People, eight days is not very long. Eight days. Eight days act like Easter is all that we say it is. In 50 days, the church is giving you 50 days to act like you can party however you want to. Folks, this is the greatest moment in church history, and we get to celebrate it every Sunday. Sunday! Sunday! His kids are getting on his nerves. He makes them play outside. But before going to bed, he groggily says the rosary. Literally, folks, Easter is the greatest moment in church history. Celebrate it. God bless. I guess one amendment to that 
Yahoo that you just heard is, I don't think you can celebrate however you want to for 50 days, but however within the bounds of church, like really though, you should celebrate the holiday. Yeah, celebrating is important. And I, I think we should clarify something before going off the air, but like with our Easter egg hunts, are these venial or mortal sins? <laughs> we got to get some medieval moral manuals on this matter. I, I don't know if we meant to come out as anti-Easter egg as it sounded. <laughs> the, the Cadbury egg CEO was like, Drat, uncommon good. <laughs> okay. So when I was uh, growing up in the uh, rice paddies of Vietnam, there was a legend that circulated. And uh, it was about this American man uh, by the name of, by the name of Mar. And apparently he had saved a child in a car accident with a fire blooming. And uh, I thought that was just legendary until I, I met uh, I met Bud Marr a few years back. And he confirmed that uh, a while back he had saved a child from a burning car. So now the legend is actually uh, true. But uh, in all honesty, Bud, I... I very much uh, have enjoyed our time together, your friendship, and uh, you know I, I'm very sad to to know that you're going to be gone here, um, at least physically. But you'll be with us, obviously, through the the uh, the radio and uh, and teaching and everything else. But um, I'm I'm going to miss our time together, and uh, I will always remember that first time we ate pho together. And you said, "I'm sorry, Dewey, but I'm going to have to do this," and then ask for a fork. That was one of the, the best memories that I have. So Godspeed, my friend, and uh, I will see you. Bud, how are you doing today? I'm okay. So last week, sapphire. Des Moines was Sapphire. This week, it's Sanguine. I'm just evidently alliterating <laughs> with S words. I was wondering, as a melancholic personality, why I felt a little out of place on the commute this morning. <laughs> <laughs> now we're like really deep diving into like the fact that our wives made us take that four humors test. Yeah. You guys haven't lived in the Catholic world until you've had to take the test to decide which of the four humors you are. Well, speaking of humors, I feel like um, last week the soccer gods cursed us because we insulted soccer on air. Yes. And then you sustained a pretty serious injury on the soccer field. Yeah, but I mean, I pretty much get injured every time that I play any sport now. But this one, I I did the splits, or what I call the splits for Bo. Evidently, it was not anywhere close to the actual splits. I wish we had captured this moment photographically because it would make a great promotional video. Yeah, it was. You do our video uh, photograph. Yeah, it was for the show. It was painful, and uh, luckily I, I, I have prior arrangements today, so I'm not going to play pickup soccer because I think I might die if I did it. Well, I don't know how meticulous we want to get in this conversation, but what was hilarious to me is you actually did a great job of defending the goal, and then you did the quasi-splits, and there was a, another player out there who's related or married to one of the Iowa Catholic radio It's hosts, Joe Stopulous' Joe Stopulous' wife. <laughs> she thought about... Scoring the goal and then um, spared you. Yeah, because if she would have kicked through, she would have kicked any number of my body parts and I would have died. She's, uh, by the way, Man. shots fired to Joe Stopulous. Joe. You must be terrible at sports because your wife is fantastic. I heard he was home cooking and changing diapers, which, you know. Yeah, good for him. Yeah. But I, I, I wish he would come out because I think we could beat him. But we cannot beat his wife at soccer. She's fantastic. Well, you could use the olive oil that he emits for sunblock. <laughs> Shots fired, Greeks. Okay. Hi, this is Justin White, Director of Youth and Young Adult Ministry. I'm here to say a few words uh, about Dr. Bud Marr. I know a lot of you have heard the story uh, of him saving a child in the middle of traffic back in 1983. What 
people don't know, however, and it, I think it's finally time to go ahead and come clean with this, is that I was that child. I was that child that Bud saved that day. And for that, I will be forever grateful. It was, uh, it was a busy day. It was a rainy day. Uh, I believe in August of 1985. But Bud was there in my hour of need. And he also saved my cat that day. He did. I, what people don't understand is that the cat was driving. I can't do it. <laughs> so would you call Iowa Catholic Radio the Shark Cathedral of Media? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you should see the look Deacon Tony gave you. Uh, that That's where we're going, bud. That's okay. what we're aiming at. So if you, if you want in on the Shark Cathedral of Radio game, uh, please consider us. That's a very roundabout way to make an appeal for donations. Good morning. I just listened... To your, I'm so sorry, I can't remember the title. Uh, hour and a half with Bo Bonner and another person. I am so embarrassed. Anyway, I really loved it. Thank you for your program. Have a great one. Bye bye. God bless you too. Well, when I was young, this was always kind of a. When I was young. When I was young. <laughs> this is Falikowski, and we all know that Bud has saved children from traffic. But I want to reflect today about my first time meeting Bud. I'll never forget it. I was on the street in downtown Des Moines, and Bud was on his usual post playing the penny whistle, uh, which he has played since he was a child. And as he was playing and dancing about, uh, an elderly woman came up and gave him three magic beans. And he asked for some water. Uh, and he planted these beans, and as they grew, he looked at me, and he said, just be, and I said, you mean just beans? He said, no, <laughs> just be, and that's what I'll always remember about Dr. Bud Marr. <laughs> Great moments in church history. The year, uh, the 900s. The place, Bohemia. Good King Winsloss looked out on the Feast of Stephen. On the field, the snow lay round about, deep, crisp, and even, even. The moon is shining brightly tonight, Kent, and the frost can't be described any other way but cruel. Wait a minute. A poor man just came into sight. He's gathering winter fuel. Winsloss called his page hither. And his scouting report had showed the yonder peasant was from a good league hence, from underneath a mountain by the forest fence near St. Agnes's fountain. The good king is calling a new play, Joe. He's asking for flesh and wine. And pine logs, too. Here they go, the page and monarch are walking forth through the rude wind's wild lament. In the waning minutes of the drive, with his page's heart beginning to fail, it looked as if all three of the men were lost. But the good king had one more play left to punch it home for the poor man. Wenceslas has instructed his page to follow in his footsteps. Literally, Kent. In his master's steps he trod where the snow lay dinted. He is in the very sod which the saint had printed. They're going to make it to the poor man. They're feasting in the snow. Therefore, Christian men, be sure, wealth or rank possessing, ye who now will bless the poor shall find yourself blessing. This has been another great moment in church history. 
And now, great moments in church history. The year, 1429. The place, the besieged city of Orléans. The stakes were high, but the chips were down. Things aren't looking up here for Charles VII and his men, Brent. They're getting slaughtered out there. The English had dominated the French most of the afternoon, but late in the third quarter of the fight, the tables suddenly turned. Hold the phone, Keith. You don't see this every day, but Joan of Arc, a walk-on from a Division two size hamlet, has taken the field. Wow, she was heavily under-recruited. Without brandishing a sword on this frigid afternoon, Joan left her mark on the gridiron that would echo throughout the centuries of church lore. British defenders are closing in. Joan leading the French response. They've taken Fort Loup. They've taken Fort Zane, Jean Leblanc. They've taken the English stronghold Le Tour. The English are retreating. The French win. The French win. From that day forward, Joan would be the sworn enemy of every fan of the English. But in the church, she would live as St. Joan of Arc, patroness of France. This has been Great Moments in Church History. And now, great moments in church history. The year, 2015. The date, October 18th. The place, Rome. Louis and Marie Martin were being canonized by the Catholic Church, but this canonization would be like none other. Most of the folks who have gone in the hall so far, Jim, have been clergy and religious. And if they have been enshrined together, it has been as a group of martyrs. But Louis and Marie are one of the first in their positions to get in as a married couple canonized at the same time. It wasn't easy to get to where they were that day. The will of God was not always the easiest to track down, especially early in their life. Louis and Marie both tried to sign up to play on the other side of the ball camp, with Louis intending to become an Augustinian monk before learning Latin thwarted his goals. Marie had hopes of being a sister of charity, but was put on the religious life injured reserve with respiratory difficulties and recurrent headaches. The power couple turned their immense forces to other tasks. Louis became a superb watchmaker, and Marie's lace-making business was well-renowned. But together, they created a dynasty like none other, a family. Louis and Marie just can't be stopped. Successful in their family businesses, they also had nine children, Jim. Five of them becoming nuns. Through the hardship of losing four of their children when they were very small and raising a Catholic family in the ever-increasing anti-Catholic France, Louis and Marie overcame these difficulties and left the modern world one of the greatest gifts of all, St. Therese the Little Flower. When it comes to modern symbols of saints, Kent, the granddaddy of them all has to be Rose Petals, the calling card of St. Therese of the Sioux. The youngest of Louis and Marie the Little Flower changed the world with their little way, learned through the example of her parents. Louis and Marie Martin were canonized by Pope Francis, building on the concerted efforts of Pope JP II and Benedict XVI, providing for the contemporary church a sterling example of sainthood in the midst of family life. This has been another great moment in church history. And now, great moments in church history. The year 1206. The place, Assisi. Giovanni di Pietro de Bardone, or Francis for short, was about to make a decision for the ages. He's been a soldier and a lover of fine silk all his young life, Kent. Sources close to Francis say he's going to get married soon and choose to stay with the spirit of the world. Little did the rich bozos who called themselves his friends know that Francis had another bride in mind 
Lady Poverty. All the recruiting experts think Francis is a lock to follow in his father's footsteps, Joe. But rumor has it he's spending time with beggars and rebuilding churches, which is not the style the spirit of the world likes to run. Sources say he's even kissed a leper. Team Poverty's glory days seem faded in medieval Assisi, but with one fateful decision, Francis was about to send them roaring back into the national spotlight. Today's the big choice, Kent. In front of the bishop, all Francis has to do is choose his father's side, and the spirit of the world can... Wait a minute, folks. He's not choosing his father. He's rejecting his father's trade. His father demands payback for all he's been given, and... And Francis is removing his clothes and renouncing all he owns. The bishop has swaddled him in his mantle and claimed him for lady poverty. If one picture is worth a thousand words, you've seen about a million words. Francis would go on to found such dynasties like the Friars Minor and the Poor Clares, and Lady Poverty would change medieval Italy for centuries to come. This has been another great moment in church history. And now, great moments in church history. The year 1737. The place, Paris, France. 76 years after St. Vincent de Paul's death, his body was being exhumed to investigate his cause for sainthood. The place is packed today, Kent. Between the Daughters of Charity, the Congregation of the Mission, and the poor and the needy he helped through his ministries, it's standing room only. The road to get to this place was arduous. In fact, sometimes it even wasn't a road at all. Sometimes it was a boat. Not much has been expected of Vincent ever since he was captured by Barbary pirates, Joe. He wasn't much of a fisherman, and his new master... Wait a second! Vincent is convincing his master to revert from Islam back to his earlier Catholicism! He's not only converting, he's sneaking back into Europe with Vincent! Knowing the hardships of a slave, Vincent became a chaplain to the galley slaves of Paris, but also found time to start a new order of priests, an order of sisters, and serve as rector at a seminary. The Vincentians are taking everybody by surprise, devoting their apostolate to the poor of small villages outside the seats of power in France. Nobody saw that coming. St. Vincent de Paul always had a heart for the poor, and as the world would all find out during his canonization, his heart was in it for the long haul. They're exhuming the body and... His heart is empty up! Go crazy, folks! Go crazy! That heart of his is displayed in a reliquary in the chapel of the Mother House of the Daughters of Charity in Paris to this day, and St. Vincent de Paul is the patron of all church charities. This has been another... Great moments in church history. And now, great moments in church history. The year 360. The place, Alexandria. One great saint, St. Athanasius, was about to give the world the life of another great saint, St. Anthony of Egypt. And Christianity would never be the same. Hermits from the east and the west are beginning to make their voice heard in the world, Jim even as they pledged to live in the desert away from it. Early in his life, St. Anthony heard the call of Jesus to the rich young man, sell all your things and follow me, and literally took it. Literally. Kit, I've never seen anyone give away their possessions so fast. And now Anthony is sprinting down the boundary straight into the desert to live a life of radical poverty. One might think that Anthony was giving up a life of trouble for solitude and quiet, but his new practice facility should have been a clue to everyone involved as the hermit took up the hermitage in an abandoned fortress, ready to do battle. Demons are all around St. Anthony. They're tempting him with lust and despair. They're physically attacking him, Jim. They're lacerating his skin. The devil even beat him so bad that he went unconscious. 
definitely earning him a trip to concussion protocol. The devil wants to see him on the sidelines. After telling the demons off for the last time, Anthony emerged from his solitude, not withered and decrepit from fasting, as the villagers and the surrounding areas thought, but as a healthy person, not only in body, but especially in spirit. Anthony's story is inspiring those around him. People are flocking to the desert in droves to learn from this simple hermit. Without even meaning to, Anthony has become an abbot and has laid the foundation of every monastic order that has come after him. An empire Herpust created the church at the beginning of his life is now flooded with people embracing the ascetical life. Do you believe in miracles? Yes! His life, as fantastic in reality as any account could recall, St. Athanasius wrote The Life of St. Anthony, which became a runaway all-star of Christian literature for the rest of history, inspiring scores of people to follow Christ wherever they might lead. This has been another great moment in church history. And now, great moments in church history. The year 1224. The place, Assisi. Claire of Assisi and the Order of Poor Ladies square off against the armies of Frederick II. The Order of Poor Ladies enter the contest as massive underdogs. Everyone's expecting this to be a blowout. Things don't look good for the Order of Poor Ladies, Kent. They've got Claire as their leader, but they just can't match the strength of Frederick armies in the trenches. Just minutes before the game, word gets out that Claire has fallen ill. Now the odds appear insurmountable. Oh, wow! This has gone from bad to worse, Jim. The Order of Poor Ladies were already huge underdogs, but now their team captain and emotional leader is hobbled. Things could get ugly today. Early in the first half, Frederick and his army jumped out to a commanding lead. With Frederick's soldiers scaling the walls, Claire digs deep into the playbook. These humble nuns look overwhelmed, Kent. We might be able to call it... Hold on! Claire's commanding that the Blessed Sacrament be brought to the gate of the convent. She's setting the sacrament up, so that it's in full sight of the opposition. Prostrating herself before the Blessed Sacrament, Claire humbly begged God to deliver her order out of the hands of the marauding force, asking the Lord for victory in these most unlikely of circumstances. This is astounding, Jim! Claire's clearly not 100%, but she's adoring the Blessed Sacrament and pleading with God for victory. The invading army has been seized with terror. They're fleeing the city! There are no flags on the field! It's a miracle! Claire's heroics that day would go down as one of the most courageous moments in church history. Today, the poor Claire's continue the legacy of their foundress by ministering to poor and forgotten souls around the world. In 1872, St. Claire's relics were transferred to a newly constructed shrine in the crypt of the Basilica of St. Clair, where her relics can still be venerated today. This has been another great moment in church history. <laughs> And now, great moments in church history. The Assyrian came down like the wolf on the fold. His cohorts were gleaming in purple and gold. And the sheen of their spears was like stars on the sea when the blue waves roll nightly on deep Galilee. Like the leaps of the forest when summer is green, that hosts with their banners at sunset were seen. Like the leaves of the forest when autumn hath blown, that host on the morrow lay withered and strode. For the angel of death spread his wings on the blast, and breathed in the face of the foe as he passed. And the eyes of the sleeper waxed deadly and chill, and their hearts but once heaved and forever grew still. And there lay the steed with his nostrils all wide, but through it there rolled not the breath of his pride. And the foam of his gasping lay wide on the surf, and cold as the spray of the rock-beating surf. And there lay the rider distorted and pale, with the dew on his brow and the rust on his mail. And the tents were all silent, the banners unloaned, 
The lance is unlifted, the trumpet unblown. And the widows of Asher were loud in their wail, and the idols are broke in the temple of Baal. And the might of the Gentile, unsmote by the sword, hath melted like snow in the glance of the Lord. This has been another great moment in church Old Testament history. Poem edition. And now, great moments in church history. The year 108 AD. The place, Syria. Locked in an epic struggle with the church, the Roman defense ran an all-out blitz on the bishops of the church. The thought, cut the head, kill the body. That's what they had in mind as they led off Ignatius of Antioch in chains, but boy, were they in for a surprise. I can't believe my eyes, Kent. Ignatius has enjoyed success implementing the strategies he learned under Polycarp, but the Romans have put him on lockdown today. They're dragging him across Asia Minor. On his journey back to Rome, Ignatius drew up a play no one was expecting. Seven letters to various churches on his way. Letters that would influence the bishop coordinators of the church for centuries to come. The Roman defense is swarming, Jim. But Ignatius remains unfazed. He just countered their taunts by affirming the Eucharist as the medicine of immortality. He's moving the Christian understanding of the sacrament into the red zone. Stunned by the wily bishop, the Romans moved to a last resort. They would knock Ignatius out of the game with the dreaded execution play, targeting the bishop with lions. A very dirty play, Kent, but... My goodness! Lions are devouring Ignatius, but he won't back down! It's like he's daring the Romans to cheap shot him! The home team just martyred Ignatius, but his teammates are preserving his relics! He's interceding for the faithful before the throne of God! The Romans may have been the odds-on favorite that century, but Ignatius overcame their schemes by imitating Christ. In 476, the Roman franchise would fold, but Ignatius is venerated to this day as the patron of the North African Church. This has been another great moment in church history. Hey everyone, this is John Leonetti, host of The Morning Show here on Iowa Catholic Radio. Uh, I, I, I'm like you, I don't really believe anything of what I'm hearing from most of these people. It's kind of crazy and ridiculous, to be honest with you, making up stories and things like that. Of course, there was the one true story of him saving the kid from the street. But besides that, some of this stuff is just kind of outrageous, I know. I wanted to share kind of a true story of something that happened with uh, Dr. Bud Marr and I. You know, a lot of people say that I have a voice for radio. I get that a lot. Uh, but people may not realize where I got my voice from. It was crazy. It was a cold winter night. It was like December, January, February, March, or April of like something uh, in the last few years. And I remember I was sitting down stairs with Dr. Bud, and the families were over, and the kids were going everywhere. And my son was dressed up as a superhero like he likes to do. It was like Superman or Batman or something like that. And Bud was standing there. And all of a sudden, the room got quiet, and I remember I look over at Bud, and he's speaking. And everyone stopped, and everyone was just listening. It was like one of the most beautiful sounds anyone has ever heard. It was the voice. It just kept going and going and going, and we didn't know what to do. And my son just kind of looked up at me afterwards, and he says, Bud speaks, Dad. Bud speaks. And it was strange. It was strange. It was almost like we were hearing the voice of an angel. And everybody began to cry. Everybody. Everybody was crying. And I could almost hear it now. It, the only one that wasn't crying was my son. My son 
all he could say. And all he says anymore, I don't, he doesn't talk. The only thing he says is, Bud speaks. Bud speaks, Dad. And I don't, I don't know when he's going to grow up. It's my son, and he's going to be 10 and 15 and 20. He's in an interview with someone, and they're going to say, can you do this job well? And he's going to say, Bud speaks. I, I just don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. And now, great moments in church history. The year 480. The place, Nursia, Italy. In the heated tournament between the forces of good and evil, the Cinderella team of God received a talent boost no one was expecting when the twins Benedict and Scholastica were born into the fold. The Blue Bloods in Rome thought they had Benedict's commitment sewed up, Jim. But after seeing their numerous scandals rocking their program, Benedict has chosen the much lesser-known team of hermits. You would think playing in the Roman Colosseums would seal the deal for a young five-star like Benedict, but the thought of battling it out and the confines of a cave must have appealed to the old-school purists. With Scholastica rising through the ranks of the local all-star nuns, Benedict's renown and holiness convinced other recruits to join him in the Cenobitic Monastery, coining a new term for the ragtag group of teammates as they upset the number one seeds of Satan, the Benedictines. This is amazing, Kent! The Devil's team keeps throwing haymakers at the Benedictines, attempting to sow discord, revolts against Benedict's leadership, stoking resentments, and even trying to drown the freshman Morris and Placidus. But despite all these attempts, Benedict and his crew keep upsetting the competition. Finally, at the end of his life, St. Benedict saw the soul of his sister Scholastica rise to heaven with the angels. Shortly thereafter, he too achieved the goal every saint is after. St. Benedict is being held up by his teammates with his dying breath. He's offering his soul to the Lord. Benedict is ascending to the Father on an illuminated path to heaven. He got it! But time is short. The road is long. In the blinking of an eye, all that moment's gone. And when it's done, win or lose, you always did your best. Cause inside you knew the one shining moment you reached for the sky. And one shining moment you knew. One shining moment you were willing to try. One shining moment. The Benedicts are lifting the trophy. St. Benedict's medal. And you can be a part of his victory as well. Just get a St. Benedict medal blessed and wear it for the rest of your life. This has been another great moment in church history. Well, folks, it's come to that time. We've had other people on the show talk about how they're going to miss Bud. And I've had a lot of people ask me, what you going to do, Bo? And they say like that, what you going to do? Like one word, it's really strange. What you going to do, Bo, when, when Bud, Bud leaves? Well, as I'm happy to announce, and Bud will too, Bud might be leaving Des Moines, um, but he's not only going to persist in our hearts, he's also going to persist on the show um, where he's going to in Pittsburgh. We're going to have the good fortune to be able to link up with Bud, and so the uncommon good will continue to be with Bo Bonner and Dr. Bud Marr. Um, he will not be physically in the studio, but through the miracle of Skype and other sec- such technologies, he'll be able to remain on the show. But then, of course, that doesn't account for everything. What, what am I going to do with Bud not here? I don't know. You know, I, I think back about the time when I met Bud. He was at the club in Durham, North Carolina, 
dancing to Groove is in the Heart by the 90s band Delight, which most of you do not remember, but I do. Uh, Bud was a street-fighting man uh, when he was in grad school. Hard-nosed, rabble-scrabble is what his nickname was growing up in Nebraska. He doesn't talk about this very much. Um, like I said, he was a lover and a fighter, and everyone was scared of Bud. Um, and, I, you know, I had a lot of mutual respect for Bud. Some of the matches that we had fighting each other would go to the 15th round, which is not real. Neither is the part about fighting. But I remember when Bud finally turned the corner, um, there was that fiery wreck in the street, which a five-year-old saved him by pulling him from. And after that, Bud became the kind, great listener that we're all used to. Totally changed his ways. He no longer had fiery red hair, but the black Norwegian uh, dense, thick weave that we now all appreciate. And after that all happened, Bud and I were inseparable. Except for, of course, that eight years in between. But you know what I mean. Point being is, even when Bud and I have not got the chance to live by each other, and like I said, we lived down the street when we lived in North Carolina. We live, uh, you know, well, he lives in Urbandale and he makes me take off my shoes before I get into the city limits of Urbandale coming up from the south side. But with all of that beside, my point being is that Bud and I have uh, lived in close proximity. We've lived apart, but we've always been really great friends. So uh, what am I going to do without Bud? I don't really think there's a without Bud. Um, I will bother him all the time. I'm going to make sure, like every time I'm on a text chain with friends from, from uh, Des Moines, to include him and we're all going to always be like, oh, bud, you can't come. Sorry. So, like, I'm going to call him up and tell him how great things are going. Um, just whatever I can to make it as torturous as possible. Why? Because he's my best friend. But all in seriousness, it's been um, a great ride uh, to have Bud here, to be in Des Moines with him at the same time, to teach classes together. I never thought a decade ago when I met Bud and that we became friends that that would happen. Um, it's been a great honor, a great blessing, dream come true, really. And as though I'm sad that it's not going to go on to perpetuity, um, I know that God always has uh, plans up his sleeve, so I'm not going to discount that it might not happen again. Um, like I said, he won't be far away, his family won't be far away, his wife and kids won't be far away from our hearts. We'll try to see him as much as possible. And like I said, being able to check in and actually do something together every week on the show is going to be a great blessing. So Godspeed to Bud Marr, Rachel Marr, all of his children. And uh, I hope uh, Pittsburgh does what it can to deserve such a wonderful family. I hope that everything that he does out at NINS uh, is successful. And I really can't wait until I get a chance to see him in person again. So what am I going to do? Bo's going to do. He's going to be okay. Man, Bud, we're terrible people. No, it's... You know, it's funny because with a big transition taking place in my life, I'm a little bit more reflective than normal. You know, they say sometimes at at an individual's last moments, they'll get kind of like that replay of their life. Oh. I feel like I've gotten a replay of the last year. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what to say about that then. That's quite a comment on the last year of your life. Well, I, I mean, I'm squeezing more meaning out of it than is probably there, but it's just like this radio show is the middle part of each week for the last 12 months. Yeah. And that really, that kind of summed it up. And then you've got, you know, Adam Story and John Wynn, all these various individuals kind of like reflecting on me 
as I'm sitting there watching them in the studio reflecting. So It's all very beautiful. Well, like I said, folks, uh, this has been our clip show. We'll be back with an intro, so, uh, an outro, a goodbye from Bud. So stick around. We'll be back in a minute with The Uncommon Good. We're back with The Uncommon Good, Bo Bonner and Dr. Bud Marr. You know, Bud, this month has had eclipses, but this, is, has, this has been the clips show. Yeah. Well, that was strange to listen to. I have to say, as the highlights were going on, I felt like I was hearing stories about another person. A but better or worse person? <laughs> very, very much better. I've tried to keep my superhero life sort of um, uh, hidden from sight, but I guess that's not always possible. Well, I thought it was really important to talk about how, you know, when I first met you at Duke, you were a street fighter. I hope he's okay with me saying his father, Zach Kautsky. Wow. <laughs> he knocked, I did not know he had, him, had it in him. He's such, you know, like just this like really dependable um, priest and you get we we put him on the spot to do that and that was amazing yeah i feel like from now on if i'm at a mass where he's doing a sermon and it's kind of dragon i can like mouth i know you can do better tell us a story tell us a story about bud (laughs) tell us about beans (laughs) about magic beans about magic beans well um folks like we've been talking about this isn't the end of the uncommon good by any stretch at all We'll be back very soon with both Bud and I. I know that um, we'll have to sort of figure out the new setup. Um, So even if you don't hear him in the next week or two, don't worry. He will be back. Uh, We will be doing uh, the show together. Um, But, yeah, this is a a farewell to one, uh, what would we say, episode one. This is the season finale, Bud. Um, But, uh, like I said, it's been a great honor to get to not only do this show. Of course, we've done all sorts of stuff together. Um, Mercy uh, College one of our underwriters. Uh, we also, of course, have Cartridge World, our, our other underwriter. Both of them, I think, both of them would be very proud uh, uh, and have been proud to include you uh, as, as part of the, the, the folks that they, they put their name to in the public. Um, yeah. But me specifically, I want to say it's been a great honor. Uh, always you know, been your friend for over a decade. Got to teach all these classes with you here and then to get to do this show. Uh, very, very few things that I've been more proud of. Yeah, I was appreciative of all the kind words, but I, I do have to really emphasize, like Bo's talking about, the show must go on. So I hope all the listeners out there, um, you know, picked up on that and are we're just as committed as we've always been to bringing you great radio. But I, you know, um, it's funny because I had years of education, but then I got done with graduate school, and. Um, in the humanities, at least, you know, teaching humanities, it's a tough job market. So I'll always be grateful to Mercy College of Health Sciences for giving me my first employment opportunity. And it was just amazing when I got to Des Moines uh, how I was embraced here and the various opportunities that um, God presented, but God threw, you know, very great people like John Leonetti, Dewey Wynn, Bishop Pates. Shout out to Bishop Pates. We've got a great bishop. But I've I've just been blessed by the conversations here. I love, you know, doing something like Faith Journey and teaching there. I, we would sometimes have um, Catholics stick around for an hour, an hour and a half to continue to talk about the faith. So um, just I, I would say to our listeners, be grateful for the rich treasures of our diocese that are out there and take full advantage of all the opportunities. But thank you for your support and thank you for allowing me to be in your households and in your cars each week. This is the Uncommon Good, folks, and like I said, just to reiterate, um, Uncommon Good goes forward. Bud and I will be doing the show 
He will be doing it remotely from Pittsburgh and from all everyone in Des Moines. We want to extend a heartfelt we love you to Bud and his entire family and thank him for being a part of uh, the journey so far, and we look forward to everything else going on the journey as well. So, yep, The Uncommon Good brought to you by Mercy College of Health Sciences and Cartridge World. May Jesus Christ, the Prince of Peace, reign in our hearts, in our families, in our city, in our state, in the in our nation, in the entire world. This has been The Uncommon Good, Bo Bonner, Dr. Budmar. We will see you next week. I'm a suspicious person anyway, but I'm worried that we're being exiled. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs>